Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time agents. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the program. Great to have you on board on this Tuesday, January the 17th of 2023. My name is Darren Pritchett from our studios in downtown South Bend, Indiana. Budweiser's weekday sports beat a little shorter than normal tonight. Program is from 5 until 6.30 this evening because at 6.30 we have Fighting Irish Basketball. Mike Bray's Irish will take on the Florida State Seminoles. Tony Simeone has the pregame starting at 6.30. Game time, 7 o'clock at Purcell Pavilion. Coming up in our 90 minutes of programming, we'll have our hat trick of topics to get the program underway. Also coming up, our Twitter question of the day. We've got a look at tonight's Notre Dame-Florida State matchup. Our My 5 question of the day is a hypothetical seeding of the Laporte Boys Basketball Sectional. As we all know, in the state of Indiana, seeding is prohibited. It's just a blind draw. But that's no fun. It's more fun to see the teams in a My 5 question of the day. So if the season ended right now, how would we see the teams in that sectional, which includes Riley and Adams from the NIC? You've got Laporte and Michigan City from the Doonland, Mishawaka and Plymouth from the NLC. We'll have some fun with that coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. And also some sizzler picks. We'll have some sports wagering suggestions for tonight's action. I will tease that of the four picks we have tonight, two of the four involved the Notre Dame-Florida State game. And I'm not touching Notre Dame minus five in this matchup. We have two player props that I have researched that I'm hoping will hit tonight. So we'll get to that coming up right before we leave for Notre Dame basketball at 6.30. At 5.30 tonight, I'm going to be joined by, from the Tallahassee Democrat, Florida State basketball and football beat reporter, Carter Carls. You might remember Carter was a member of the South Bend Tribune staff for a couple of years and was a big part of Budweiser's weekday sports beat during that time. He was the Notre Dame football beat reporter for the South Bend Tribune. So Carter joined us every week talking 
football recruiting. Now he's all things Florida State. And I give Carter credit. He broke the internet a couple of weeks ago. He'll explain how he did that coming up in just a little bit. So that's what we have in store for you tonight here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Tomorrow's program, we'll talk Notre Dame football with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football beat reporter Tyler Horka and also Notre Dame hockey player Jackson Pearson will join the program. He's a Zionsville, Indiana native that played at New Hampshire for four years, a grad transfer this year for the Fighting Irish. So we'll talk to an Indiana native playing for the Fighting Irish hockey team, Jackson Pearson, on tomorrow night's program which will be from 5 to 7 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Let's get things going with some topics. We've got a hat trick of opening topics to get to to get this program started for this Tuesday. And we'll begin with the National Football League. And last night, we wrapped up the super wild card round. In the National Football Conference, the five seed, the Dallas Cowboys, the highest seeded wild card team, taking on the lowest seeded divisional champion, winners of the NFC South, the 8-9 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Cowboys were favored by anywhere between two and a half and three points. After the first couple of drives, when it was punt, 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 looked like it was going to be a low-scoring affair. One team had stayed that way. The other side got their offense rolling. Second and 10 at the 22. Single receiver to the right, two wide left. Prescott from the gun. Steps up into a clean pocket. Throws for the end zone. It is caught. Touchdown, Dalton Schultz. All of out of the shotgun, Brady, play action, pumps, throws, a wobbler into the end zone, it's intercepted! Picked off in the back middle of the end zone by Jaron Curse. Prescott under center on second down, they fake the give. Prescott stands, waits, throws, back left corner of the end zone, it's Gallup tiptoeing along the back corner of the end zone for the touchdown! Prescott floated it in beautifully. And Michael Gallup running along the back end line. Put six more on the board. 24-0 Dallas. Here's Maher for the extra point, And it's off the top of the crossbar. No good. He went off the top of the right bar. And it caroms away. That's four straight missed extra points for Maher. Five straight dating to the last game of the regular season. Well, in a game that turned out to be a blowout, what are we going to remember about this game? Well, if it's Tom Brady's last game, that, of course, will be the main reason. But even if that happens, it's the Brett Maher game in which he missed four consecutive extra points. It's never, ever, ever, ever happened in the National Football League. To be fair, it used to be a chip shot. Now it's, what, a 37, 38-yard attempt. Big difference, but still, going back to 1950, no kicker had ever missed four extra points in the same game. You go back to his last kick 
against Washington to wrap up the regular season. He missed that, so that was five in a row. So Dallas wins 31-14. But if you're in charge of that Cowboy organization, do you have to think about changing kickers before you take part in the divisional round of the playoffs? Now, Maher was really, really good throughout the regular season. This performance truly came out of nowhere. Everything is on the line in this next game. You want to have your best players on the field. I would bet the Cowboys stick with Maher based on the fact this had not been an issue or anything close to this. Now, I know... Just like anybody that might be 0 for 18 at the plate in baseball, that gets into your head. And thank goodness he knocked through the next extra point try just to take some of the pressure off. Hopefully he could smile a little bit after that kick. But the Cowboys do have a decision to make. I'm betting they stay with Maher based on track record, but I can understand you need a guy that can go out there and execute going to San Francisco when you take on the 49ers next week. It was 24-0 Dallas, and the Buccaneers had no answers offensively. But those 24 points that Dallas put up to basically put Tampa Bay in a tough spot, Dak Prescott, who you really never know what you're going to get, he had been turning the football over, just way too often the last month. Last night, a different deck. 25 of 33, 305 yards, four touchdown passes, very important, no interceptions. He also ran it seven times for 24 yards, and on a bootleg, he scored in the red zone. That Dak Prescott can give even that great 49ers defense a lot of issues that was a rock solid performance and I love the way that he spread the football around he used the tight ends effectively in this ball game you have C.D. Lamb you could go to him all day Michael Gallup had a touchdown catch but Dalton Schultz was a mismatch for Tampa Bay in this game the tight end had seven catches 95 receiving yards and a couple of scores. Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin even had a catch for 34 yards. Dallas was able to run the football effectively 35 times for 128 yards and a touchdown. Defensively, they knew Tampa Bay was not going to be able to run the football. Tampa Bay only ran it 12 times. Once they got behind by a couple of scores, they had to throw it a ton. But even then, I'm not sure Tampa Bay could have ran it. The defense was credited with two sacks, but that really doesn't tell the story. As we talk about during the Notre Dame football season, sacks are awesome. But quarterback hurries are a step below a sack. Putting pressure on that quarterback, forcing him to release the football before he wants to. And if you watched that game last night, how many times did the guy considered to be the best quarterback of all time, the GOAT, Tom Brady, just fired the football into the ground, throw it into the heavens, because somebody 
was on top of him. In fact, with Dallas up 7-0, Brady made a horrible mistake. Cowboy in his face, tried to throw it away, I assume, didn't get it out of the end zone. It was intercepted by Curse. Not only did Tampa Bay not score a touchdown, they did not answer that touchdown with any points. They walked away empty-handed. And really, from that point on, Tampa Bay was out of the football game. Even the greatest of all time. You get somebody near his chin, that football's going flying. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. So the good Cowboys showed up last night. And the good Cowboys can give the 49ers a heck of a tussle out in Santa Clara on Sunday at 6.30, a game that you can hear on WSBT Radio. And, oh, yes, we're going to be talking about this a lot in the NFL circles leading up to that matchup. It is a rematch of last year's divisional matchup in which the Dallas Cowboys did not know what to do in an end-of-the-game situation where a player makes a play, you can't hand it to your center, and then snap the football. The officials have to have the ball, place it on the ground. Dallas did not allow that to happen right away, which forced the referee, when he finally got the ball, to hurry, and the Cowboys never got the final snap off. And the 49ers beat the Cowboys in Big D 23-17. to There are a lot of tears in the eyes of the fans in Dallas. I remember after that game, shots of those Cowboy fans in disbelief. Niners got them. Got to the NFC Championship. Had a great shot to beat the Rams. Couldn't close it out. And now here come the 49ers once again with Brock Purdy. Still looking Purdy in charge of that San Francisco offense. I think this is going to be a fantastic football game. In particular, if good Dak shows up, if that other Dak shows up, forget about it. This Dak, maybe, maybe. All right, our second hat trick of opening topics is Tampa Bay quarterback Tom Brady forced to throw it early, often, and even more often. 35 of 66 for 351 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. He was forced to fling the football into the ground a lot because of the pressure put on him by the Dallas Cowboys. Brady's a free agent at the end of the year. Could he go back to Tampa? Absolutely. Could he end up going to the Fox booth? He's already signed a deal. That's a possibility. But it sure seems like he'll play in the NFL somewhere next year but based on how he ended his press conference last night I don't think it's going to be in Tampa Bay I just want to say thank you guys for everything this year I really appreciate all your effort and I know it's hard for you guys too it's hard for us players to make it through and you guys got a tough job and I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport we're very grateful for everyone's support and um, you know hopefully um, you know I love this organization it's a great place to be and Thank you, everybody, for welcoming me, all you regulars, and um, just very grateful for the respect, and I and, uh, hope I gave the same thing back to you guys. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. That sure sounded like a goodbye, didn't it? Won a Super Bowl title with Tampa Bay two years ago. First time in Brady's career he finished with a record under 500 this year. 
free agent. Sounds like a couple of teams are going to be interested. It would be fascinating if New England is interested in bringing Brady back. There's some thought he might go to Las Vegas, play for the Raiders. His old offensive coordinator in New England is the head coach of Las Vegas, Josh McDaniels. It's going to be, I would think, a warm-weather city. I just can't imagine Tom wants to go back into the cold of Foxborough. But Tom Brady sure sounds like he is done in Tampa. And our third and final hat trick of opening topics, Notre Dame basketball against Florida State tonight at 7 on WSBT Radio. Let's give you some of the particulars. First off, not a dazzling matchup. Florida State is 5-13, 3-4 in the ACC. Florida State has lost two consecutive games, including their most recent game at home, lost to the Virginia Cavaliers 67-58. For the Fighting Irish, they are 9-9, 1-6 in the ACC, the most recent game for the Irish at Syracuse, up 12 in the second half, only to lose 78 78- 73. Now, Notre Dame has usually protected their home court so well through the years under Mike Bray. This year, a bit of a hiccup. They are 9-3. Florida State on the road, they're 0-4. The four losses by a combined 63 points. Now, they're a pretty balanced offensive team. Four Seminoles averaging double figures, led by Matthew Cleveland at 14 points per game. The Irish are very familiar with Florida State. The two teams met in Tallahassee, December 21st. One of those games where the Irish had a chance to win, could not do so. They threw the ball away on a final play trying to win the game. Florida State, 73. Notre Dame, 72. Matthew Cleveland, their leading scorer, was really good against the Irish. 19 points and 12 rebounds. Cam Coran and Kayla Mills, each with 18. Mike Bray got 20 points from his freshman, J.J. Starling. Cormac Ryan, 17. Nate Lashevsky 12. A very quiet game. In fact, Dane Goodwin hardly shot against Florida State. Two points on one of four shooting, 0 of 1 from the three-point line. A chance just to smile after a win. As these two teams square off, Florida State 5-13, Notre Dame 9-9. We've got the pregame starting at 6.30 and the opening tip with Tony Simeone at 7 o'clock here on WSBT Radio. Our old friend Carter Carls will join us next, Florida State beat reporter for football and basketball. We'll talk a little pigskin as well as basketball. When we come back, as Budweiser's weekday sports be continues on your home of the Fighting Irish and the NFL playoffs this weekend, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is 5:30 on your home of the Fighting Irish. Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. We've got. Notre Dame and Florida State coming up one hour from right now with pregame coverage. Tony Simeone will have that courtside at Purcell Pavilion. Opening tip in 90 minutes, 5-13 and 13 Florida State taking on 9-9 nine nine Notre Dame. 
Well, Carter Carls is joining us right now, Florida State beat reporter for the Tallahassee Democrat and KnollSports.com. We, of course, know him as the former Notre Dame football beat reporter, or actually recruiting coordinator kind of reporter guy for the South Bend Tribune. He was a part of our program for so many years, and this was the classic theme. I hope this brings a tear to your eye hearing that song again. I'm about to get emotional, Darren. Gosh, I, I'm I'm crying right now. <laughs> <laughs> Good to talk to you. How are things in Tallahassee? Hey, it's great. You, you told me it was 40 up there in South Bend, and uh, I, I, you know, I love my time in South Bend, but man, I don't miss that. So yeah, Tallahassee. I think it's 70 and, and sunny today. So it's been it's been fun. It's been great. Outstanding. Hey, I got to start with this. I teased this going into the break. So how did you try to break the internet during Florida State's bowl week? Oh, man, man. Uh, well, for the <laughs> people that have no idea what happened, I, I don't know how notable it was, but it was a pretty pretty funny experience. I you know, was at the Cheez-It Bowl for Florida State's game against Oklahoma, and you know, everyone's followed the Cheez-It Bowl the last few years. There's always something weird that happens. I mean, I remember there was a I'm not that TCU game from a few years mm-hmm. back where, you know, it, it was just an absolute mess. But yeah, this this, this week at the Cheez It Bowl, um, you know, they they were uh, great to deal with, uh, and one of their representatives just kind of told me one night in the hospitality suite, he's saying, "Yes, by the way, it's not Cheez Its." That that doesn't exist. There's no plural form of that. That's that, that's not it. It's cheese it crackers. And I just I was like, that's weird. I I don't even like. What is this guy saying? Cheese it crackers? Are you kidding me? Like no one says that. And so you know, I thought it'd be a funny idea. You know, I you know me. I like being the prankster, the silly goose on uh, Twitter sometimes. And so I just tweeted out like, oh yeah, you know, guys. By the way. No plural form of cheese it. Uh, it's not cheese it. It's cheese it crackers. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I mean, just my phone malfunctioned because of how many notifications there were and you know, personalities at ESPN pe- picking it up. And the Empire State Building was tweeting at me <laughs> saying, We're going to light up the sky in red and yellow. And I'm just like, What is happening right now? I, I, I don't. And and then you know at the end of the week they give me a hall of cheese jacket. I didn't even know what a hall of cheese jacket was, but now it's one of my most prized possessions. Um, I'm gonna have to hang it up, you know, in the rafters. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it was just a crazy week. Oh, I love it. Yeah, good stuff. So let me build on that by asking this. If I were to go to an Eric Hansen taco bar, would bringing a box of Cheez-It crackers be an appropriate thing to do? Oh, I, I'm sure. And you'll have to tell him that he better call it Cheez-It crackers or, or we're not showing up. You know, that, that's, that's the price of admission. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Hey, I tell you what, you got to give a lot of credit to Coach Norvell. It looks like he's got the Seminoles on a good path, Carter. You cover them, of course, for the Tallahassee Democrat. I think Jordan Travis is entering his 23rd year at Florida State. It sure <laughs> seems like it. But did this program take the major step forward that everybody was looking for this year, or are they a little ahead of schedule? 
Oh, they're way ahead of schedule. I mean, I remember before the season, we were all thinking, they sure better make a bowl game. They sure better get six wins because that would be season number five consecutively that they had not made a uh, or, or had a w- winning record. And so a lot of people, the expectation was pretty low. They had been let down so many times that they're like, okay, six or seven wins and we'll be happy. Well, then all of a sudden they, they have their first 10-win season since 2016. They finished the year ranked 11th in the AP poll. And, you know, you look forward to next year, and they brought back almost all of their significant contributors, and they've got the number one uh, transfer class in the, in the portal. Hmm. And so you look at all the championship odds, Heisman odds. Uh, Florida State is up there in the top five of the national champion odds for next year. And Jordan Travis is in that uh, top five for you know, Heisman Trophy uh, uh, winner odds. And so the expectation next season – um, is really, you know, ACC championship or, or bust in my mind. Um, their schedule sets up pretty well, and uh, it's been a really impressive job from Mike Norvell considering what he inherited in 2020, going through COVID in his first year, and then uh, obviously, you know, coming off a of five and seven season and doing this kind of out of nowhere. Mm. I'd like to ask you, someone that covers the ACC pretty closely, what are your thoughts on Notre Dame picking up Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman? I know the Seminoles did not play Wake Forest this year, but I know in the past the Seminoles have ran in to Hartman. How much of a difference do you think Sam can make for this Fighting Irish offense? Oh, I, I think it's huge for Notre Dame. It's got to be one of the best pickups of the whole offseason for, for any team in the country. Um, I know there's a lot of you know, chatter out there, oh, can, can he adjust to a real system and, and all that? I'm like, guys, it's just football. Like, the guy, the guy ran a normal system in high school. He knows how to hand it off. He knows how to throw the ball. Like, it, it shouldn't be that hard for him to adjust, you know, from the slow mesh concept they run at Wake Forest to, to what they do at Notre Dame. Uh, if anything, it's way harder to adjust to the slow mesh concept. And, and he showed that, you know, he can do it. And, you know, that, that, that takes a lot of smarts for someone to do it at the level that he did it at Wake Forest. And he did it with a bunch of two and three stars around him. Now think of what it'll look like when he has that O-line and that running game and those tight ends. I, I just think that he's going to be set up so well to succeed at Notre Dame. And it's a good move by him because as far as NFL draft goes, I think people still have that lingering doubt of like, okay, you kind of had all this success in some cheap little system. Uh, how can you do it in a, in a, at a, at a big stage running a normal system that can actually kind of translate to the NFL. And like I said, you know, I, I think, you know, you talked about Travis being a 23 year guy. This guy's another 23 year guy. Um, I think what he'll bring to the locker room, you hear, you hear all these stories about just how an exceptional leader he is and what all he went through last year and, and really in high school what he went through. There is so much that uh, this kid has yeah. kind of overcome, and I think he's just going to be credible for that locker room. He's going to be a great teammate and everything mm. like that. 
Well said. Carter Carls from the Tallahassee Democrat, my guest. He'll be making his return to Notre Dame Stadium on November 9th, 2024, when Florida State visits the Fighting Irish once again. Well, I guess we have to talk a little basketball since Notre Dame and Florida State are playing tonight. I guess I didn't know much about Florida State coming into the year. I guess Carter, naive Darren, thinks Leonard Hamilton's still the head coach. He's going to have the talent. He'll figure it out. I didn't see 5-13 and 13 coming and 3-4 and four in the ACC on January 17th, 2023. Is this blindsided the Seminole fans? To an extent, I think uh, you saw signs of it last season where they started off so well. They beat Duke on their home court. And you just thought, man, like this, this team is, is still a great ACC program. And then once they had a couple injuries, it really snowballed for them. And they didn't end up in an NIT contention. And, I mean, almost halfway through the season, they were number one in the AC standings. So it, it really cratered for them. And Leonard Hamilton's been very honest with us. It's something I really appreciate from him is he said, you know, we, we just haven't adjusted to the transfer portal. Hmm. You know, we haven't gotten, you know, enough older guys that when something bad happens, you, we can kind of get through it and, and kind of patch it up. Uh, and, and it's shown this year, too. The very start of the year, Jalen Ganey, one of their prized transfers from, uh, from the Ivy League, mm-hmm. Uh, he was the Ivy League Defensive Player of the Year, comes in and immediately suffers a season-ending injury. Then they had an international kid come in, one of the top international prospects, and Baba Miller. He was supposed to be a potential uh, lottery pick, and he gets hit with a 16-game suspension uh, from the NCAA. And so, like, you know, and they had a, a couple under, other injuries as well at some point. They only had seven players available on their team, and they just didn't have enough guys to kind of fill in those holes. They're having to play a lot of freshmen, a lot of walk-ons, and they're having to give guys crazy minutes. You'll see it tonight, most likely. You'll be seeing their five starters will all play over 30 minutes, and they usually have two or three guards that play at least 37 minutes. Mm. And in Leonard Hamilton's system – that is not sustainable at all. You know, one of his best players in the last decade, Trent, Trent Forrest, uh, he infamously said that the, uh, 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 with Leonard Hamilton's demanding, physically exhausting system that demands so much out of you, defending 94 feet, switching one through five, you have to, you have to only play 24 minutes to do it effectively that that's the most you can play without being you know to the point of too much exhaustion well you've got guys playing 38 and, and 40 minutes so you know you're mm. seeing a lot of guys take plays off you're seeing a lot of guys loafing around and that's kind of why you're, you're seeing this team struggle to defend the three you see them struggle to rebound and you see them struggle to rotate and and, and move the ball on offense so um that's kind of been the problems this season. And I guess a three point shooting team, that's pretty good in Notre Dame uh, with, with how they can shoot the three ball. Um, it'll be a key tonight. It, it could be, it could quickly turn into a game where Notre Dame hits a bunch of threes 
uh, if, if Florida State continues to uh, struggle in those areas. Yeah. Problem is, Carter, Notre Dame can't defend. They can't rebound. They don't have a post player. It just feels like there's a lot yeah. of deficiencies between the two teams, and you're right. It might come down to Notre Dame hitting threes. Now, they hit 15 in their last game against Syracuse. So you know the balance, how things balance out, it seems like. So this might be a little more of a normal night for the Fighting Irish. But it sounds like Florida State is still competing. They're still battling despite the record. It's just not enough bodies and a lot of tired guys as the game goes on. Yeah, I mean, they've had some impressive games. You know, the Purdue came in and they played them pretty well for about 30 minutes. Virginia, they went at Virginia, lost by five. They played Duke really well for about 25, 30 minutes. They're, they're usually they play pretty well at the beginning of games. It's just they crater once they get to that point of exhaustion. Uh, you know, we, every time we talk to Leonard Hamilton after a game, he'll look at the, the box score, and he'll just be like, oh, my gosh, this guy played 38 minutes? <laughs> that is insane. Because, again, you know, when you're in these other college systems and you can 2-3 zone and, and you can kind of take these plays off, you can kind of get away with playing 35, 36 minutes. Right. But Leonard Hamilton, this guy, he demands so much of you defensively. Um, you know, he, he has one player pick up a guy 94 feet every single possession. And, and just you're exerting so much energy in, a, in that system that, you know, you shouldn't – no one should even be playing more than 30 minutes. But to play more than 35 is just crazy. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's a younger team. They they don't have a single player that's been in the system for more than two years, uh, so th- yeah, it's it's a team that I still think if he makes a couple adjustments in the portal, they can figure it out. But um, for this season, yeah, it's been been a little bit of a lost season for them. Well, you broke my heart a few months ago, Carter, when Florida State took Link Jarrett from Notre Dame to lead the baseball program. I I know Florida State baseball is huge down there. That had to be some massive news, getting Link from Notre Dame. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, uh, all the Florida State fans know down here is Mike Martin. Yeah, you know, they Mike Martin Senior, Mike Martin Junior. That's been part of their lives for the last you know four decades and. You know, to bring Link Jarrett in, he's got big shoes to fill to, to fulfill that Martin legacy. But by all accounts, this is someone that is really going to turn this program around like it needs to be turned around. And this program started to really invest in the baseball uh, program. So I think you could, you're going to start to see Florida State baseball back on the rise again, back in the Supers, back in the College World Series in no time and I just I can't believe what the guy accomplished at Notre Dame uh, just watching them from afar last year beating Tennessee and the Supers that was incredibly impressive and you know he brought down his assistant uh, with him to Florida State and, and I think that will help sort of that continuity uh, with FSU kind of uh, getting everything figured out uh, in no time so yeah huge hire for FSU and yeah Notre Dame baseball it, it, it certainly was a huge loss for them, um, and uh, yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens with them. Well, you're going to love him from a media standpoint, and also Florida State at Notre Dame, April 28th, 
29th and 30th. So mark your calendars. I'm sure Link will be emotional coming back to Notre Dame. Finally, I'll just say this. Since you're now the face of Cheez-It Crackers, when they build a World Food Hall of Fame, your picture will be on the plaque for Cheez-It Crackers. And I think it's only fitting. I, I talked to someone about this today. Your plaque needs to go right next to Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago. What do you think? I love it. I like love it. it. I I don't know who Abe Froman is. That probably is well, speaks to how young I am. Ferris Bueller's but. Day Off? Okay. See, it's been a while since I've watched the movie, so I, I've, I, I know who he is now. <laughs> okay. See, when you have to explain them, they don't work as well, but that's okay. That's all right. Yeah. Hey, thanks for doing this. Good to catch up with you, as always, and all the best to you and everybody down there in Tallahassee, and hopefully we get an entertaining basketball game tonight. Yes, sir. It'll be a good one. All thanks right. Thanks for having me on, Dan. You bet, Carter. All the best. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. You got it. That is Carter Carls, formerly of the South Bend Tribune, now covers the Seminoles for the Tallahassee Democrat, Notre Dame, Florida State, 630 pregame here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, the 37th annual Michiana Wedding Expo is January 22nd at the Downs Ballroom, Corbett Family Hall at Notre Dame from noon to 4. Brought to you by Louis Tuck Shop and Burns Rental Special Events. It's a great opportunity to visit with businesses who want to help you plan your day like never before. More details and pre-register online at MichianaWeddingExpo.com for free entry. 552 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, on yesterday's program, we asked you this Twitter question of the day, which was also posted on Twitter at 960 Sports Beat for you to vote on. The question was, in honor of the Cowboys playing last night in the playoffs, what is the most annoying part of the Dallas Cowboys? Choice number one, owner Jerry Jones. Choice number two, the nonstop media coverage. Or number three, ah, just those old Cowboy fans who get under your skin. Well, third place in the voting, 20% of the vote, the most annoying part of the Dallas Cowboys, their fans. Coming in second place, 32.5% said the nonstop over-the-top media coverage of this NFL team. And finally, winning the vote, 47.5%, the owner Jerry Jones, we thank you so much for voting. Greatly appreciate it. Now we move along to today's Twitter question of the day, which is available right now on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. A little college football question. Who would you rather have at quarterback? We're talking college football for just one year. One year, next year. Would it be Notre Dame's new quarterback, Sam Hartman? 
the young gun at Clemson, Cade Klubnik. A guy who really came on under former Irish offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock at LSU, Jaden Daniels. Or North Carolina quarterback, Drake May. For one season, which of those four would you take? Hartman, Klubnik, Daniels, or May? You can vote right now on Twitter at 960-SPORTSBEAT. A sports update is coming up, then we'll talk Notre Dame hoops, my five, and a little sizzler here on WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, today's My Five question is in regard to Indiana high school boys basketball. If you follow boys basketball or girls basketball action, there has been a debate for some time whether the sectionals should be seeded to make the regular season more valuable, more interesting, make it mean more. But it's a blind draw in the state of Indiana, which always brings some controversy when the two best teams meet in the first round. This often gets brought up. So just for fun, hypothetically speaking, on Tuesday, January the 17th, we're going to take a look at one of the most competitive sectionals in our area. And if the regular season ended today, how would we see the teams in the Laporte Boys Basketball sectional? That sectional features two South Bend teams, Riley and Adams. You've got Laporte and Michigan City. From the Doonland, you've got Mishawaka and Plymouth from the NLC. So how would we rank these teams? How would we seed them based on what has happened so far during the regular season? Now it's the My Five. There are six teams, so we'll start with number six. They don't get any sound effects. And seeded number six is the Plymouth Pilgrims with a record of five and eight. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We start with number five officially, and we go with South Bend Adams. Now, the one thing about Adams, they're four and six right now, but they do have an outstanding victory over Michigan City, 70 to 60. From what I understand, the Wolves' best player didn't play in that game, but that's still a really good win for Chad Johnson's team. And speaking of Chad, one of the best coaches in the area, always has his team ready and highly competitive for the sectional. So Adams may be four and six, but they're always going to be dangerous come sectional time. Four. Coming in at number four in our Laporte boys basketball sectional seating if the season ended today. At number four, we'll go with the South Bend Riley Wildcats, who are currently eight and seven. Now, South Bend Riley recently played at home against Michigan City, another team in the sectional. And they were down double digits in the fourth quarter, came all the way back and only lost 65 to 63. So they have proven they can play with one of the better teams in the sectional, just like Adams did, who beat Michigan City. Riley also has wins over John Glenn, Maryville, and a really good win over Northridge, 65-59 in overtime. Riley has also lost to Mishawaka and Laporte, two other teams in this sectional. So Riley, a really good four seed 
in the Laporte sectional. Okay, okay, uh, number three. Okay, number three in our hypothetical seeding of the Laporte boys basketball sectional. It is the home squad, the Laporte Slicers. They are 9-5. Laporte has been down for a few years, but this is a pretty veteran, senior-laden basketball team ready to make their mark. Laporte has a win over Riley this year, 60-51. to They also cruised by Plymouth earlier this season, 63-40. to Number two. Coming in at number two in our hypothetical seating of the Laporte Boys Basketball Sectional, it is the Mishawaka Cavemen who are currently riding an eight-game winning streak to move their record to 11-2. Now, Mishawaka has already topped Plymouth in a game they did not play their best on the road, 63-55. They also won a very good contest at home against Riley, 62-57. It was Mishawaka's first win over Riley, since 2006. Mishawaka also has a neutral site victory over Maryville, and they beat a really good Tippy Valley team at home earlier this year. Now the negative for Mishawaka, the two best teams they have faced, they lost by double digits. They fell to Michigan City at home back on December 9th, 67-49. They also lost by double digits at home to Mishawaka Marion. Those two games were within the first four games of the season. Since then, they've gotten on a roll, and again, Mishawaka has won eight in a row. Arthur Jones playing really strong basketball at guard for Mishawaka, but a really balanced attack as the Cavemen have really the capabilities of five or six guys scoring in double figures. So Mishawaka comes in at number two. Number one. And the number one seed, and the hypothetical Laporte boys basketball sectional seeding as we wrap up the My 5 question of the day is the Wolves from Michigan City, the sectional runner-up last year down at Plymouth. Michigan City currently is 10-3. As I mentioned, they've already beaten our hypothetical two-seed Mishawaka, 67-49. They beat our four-seed Riley, 65-63, but lost to the five-seed Adams, by a score of 70 to 60. Very experienced team back from a squad that almost won the sectional last year and a slight favorite to win the sectional this year based on the fact they won by 18 points on Mishawaka's floor back on December the 9th. So our hypothetical Laporte boys basketball sectional seating Plymouth six, Adams five, Riley four, Laporte three, Mishawaka two, and Michigan City comes in at number one. Money, money, money. Show me the money. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. And we wrap up tonight's program before we get to Notre Dame basketball hosting Florida State. It is We Going to Sizzler, our sports wagering segment on WSBT Radio. Let's begin by recapping the picks from yesterday's program. The first three were from the Monday night super wild card game in the NFL between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. We started with Tampa Bay quarterback Tom Brady. 42 and a half passing attempts was the over-under. I took the over because I thought if Tampa Bay was going to win, they were going to have to throw it. 
If they fell behind, they were up to throw it even more. So we went over 42 and a half passing attempts. That was a winning suggestion because Brady ended up throwing 66 times last night and easy over. We had that at minus 110, so you bet 10, you win 1909. So that was the seventh straight game outside of Week 18 when he didn't play the whole game that he had topped 42 and a half passing attempts. The second suggestion from last night focused on Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. I took his over passing yards at 238 and a half. Because to end the regular season, he went over that number in 8 of 10. I felt like this was the game he was going to have to throw it quite a bit. So I went over 238 and a half passing yards for Dak Prescott. And Prescott went over that number. In fact, he finished with 305. So again, bet 10, we won 1909. Our third suggestion, this one hurts. This one hurts a lot. In a game in which... The Dallas field goal kicker missed four extra points. Remember, four points. Any one of those goes through the uprights. A different story. Over-under total points for the game was 45 and a half, and it ended up at 45. That's where the missed extra points just hurt so much more. So... We bet 10. We lost that 10. Could have won 909, but a lot of things could have been different in the game. Brady throwing the interception in the red zone, but the missed extra points really stand out losing by a half a point. And the fourth suggestion from yesterday's program was college basketball from East Lansing. I took Michigan State plus four against the Purdue Boilermakers at minus 110. Great ball game. Michigan State fell behind by 13 in the first half, battled back to within two at halftime. Close game throughout the second half. I think Michigan State at one point led by five. Final score, Purdue 64, Michigan State 63. We had Michigan State plus four, so they covered by three points. We bet 10, and we won 1909. So it was a three-in-one day yesterday for the month, now 15 and 14. Let's go through some suggestions for tonight's action. The first two come from tonight's Notre Dame-Florida State basketball game, and both are player props. The actual spread is Notre Dame minus five, and I'm not overly excited about getting involved in that. Florida State's bad on the road. Only getting five doesn't seem like enough. Notre Dame getting five against anybody doesn't feel right, so I'm staying away from that part of the game. So let's go with a couple of player props. The first one centers around Notre Dame big guy Nate Lashevsky. His over-under total points for the game is 12.5. I'm going under because in six career games against Florida State, Lashevsky has never gone over 12.5. Hopefully tonight is not the night that changes. So based on the fact he has never gone over 12.5 points in six career games against Florida State, including a game this year, let's go Nate Lashevsky under 12.5 points at minus 105. So you wager $10, you win 1952. Suggestion number two, Florida State's Matthew Cleveland. The over-under points for Cleveland against Notre Dame 
is 15 and a half. I'm going to go over 15 and a half for Cleveland. He's their best player on the road. They're going to need him. Plus, he has gone over 15 and a half points in six of his last seven games. I will mention his most recent game against Virginia only had 10. But six of the last seven, he's gone over 15 and a half. And he had 19 against the Irish in Tallahassee earlier this year. So Matthew Cleveland over 15 and a half points at minus 130. Wager 10, you win 17.69. Suggestion number three for my second favorite conference in college basketball, the Missouri Valley. It's the Salukis of Southern Illinois hosting the Evansville Aces. This ball game in Carbondale. Evansville on the road this year has not been good. Their five most recent road games, they have lost by 35 23, 28, 19, and 17. Plus, the Aces are 0-8 in the Valley. SIU is 8-1. Now, they played earlier this year in Evansville, and the Salukis only won by 7, so that's a negative. But you just look at the road losses, the recent road losses for Evansville, 35, 23, 28, 19, and 17. I'll take the Salukis, minus 17, and... You bet 10, you win 19.09 because it is minus 105 to take the Egyptian Bow Wows down in Carbondale. And the fourth and final suggestion for tonight, the Tennessee Volunteers visiting the Mississippi State Bulldogs in the SEC. Tennessee coming off a clunker, losing at home to Kentucky. They missed a lot of easy shots around the bucket. Kentucky was in desperation mode, went to Rocky Top and won. Tennessee bounces back tonight, and they cover. I'll take Tennessee minus 6 against the Bulldogs at minus 105. You wager 10, you win 19.52. So, again, our four suggestions for tonight. Nate Lashevsky under 12.5 points. Matthew Cleveland over 15.5 total points. Southern Illinois minus 17 against Evansville. Tennessee minus 6 against Mississippi State. And we have an underdog pick for tonight from the NHL. I'll take the Nashville Predators on the puck line at minus one and a half goals against Columbus at plus 120. So the Predators not only have to win the game, they have to win by two goals at least. So getting that wager at plus 120, you bet 10 to win $22. So Predators minus one and a half goals against Columbus. And that is We Going to Sizzler for tonight. And that is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat for this Tuesday. And the program has been brought to you by Budweiser, by Barnaby's, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future, Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. And by our sports update sponsor, Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Terry Clarkin, South Bend, or Matt Carroll in Mishawaka. Mishawaka Cayman at South Bend Clay coming up at 7.05 on 96.1 The Ton. Irish basketball is next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.